Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Police found 27 corpses. Australia's worst serial killer. Even though I didn't want to get in the car, I actually... With Amanda Howland and Robert McKnight. Hello there and welcome to Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. I am Rob McKnight, but this show would be nothing without this lady. She is the serial killer whisperer. She is a best-selling true crime author and she is a criminologist. Amanda Howard, hello. Hello, Robert. Are you loving this season? I think it's been my favourite so far. Uh, this season's been great, but I think people of the video podcast will be more interested in the dog behind you <laughs> that's made a cameo. Or is it a cat? <laughs> <laughs> that's my cat. That's, that's Clarice Starling the cat. Ah, well, that's why you should watch the video so that you can <laughs> see what Amanda's playing with. Um, Amanda, I have loved this season. I hard to believe we're halfway through it. What's the feedback been like this year? It's been really, really good, and and this season in particular, we, we're getting a lot of, of vocal theories and and processes. There's been a lot of talk about your Russian accent from the last season. They're wondering <laughs> if we're, they're going to see it again, um, and and basically, uh, everyone has sort of had a um, a like a guttural response to to these episodes. We've mm. had tears, we've had uh, anger, we've had disgust. Uh, people really are seeing the different side of of what we do and I think it's really interesting to bring these different sort of perspectives into it because it just allows us to sort of uh, dig deeper and to show how different patterns can be and that it's not all always you know one size fits all. Oh, for sure. And the I-10 case that we're covering with Leslie Merritt is quite interesting. This is part two of it, of course. But it's really interesting because he is really claiming his innocence. And I was really thinking about this since our last episode. And he seems so genuine in his denials. There's part of me that believes him. Okay, hope that's a small part, but <laughs> we'll see where it goes because it's going to have a couple of twists between now and then. Okay, well, we'll see what happens shortly right here on Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. In the meantime, let's get into the news because a woman who killed seven people and committed other heinous crimes in China has been sentenced to death. Lao Ronji was convicted of international homicide, kidnapping and robbery between 1996 and 1999. Lau committed four kidnappings, robbery and murder with her then-boyfriend, Fa Jiang. Seven people were killed and Lau was involved in killing five of them and robbing a large sum of money. Now, Amanda, we've been following this story for some time. This does seem like the end of the trail, doesn't it? It 
does, and it's so interesting that we're actually getting to see this for a change because uh, the Chinese criminal justice system is usually very, very close to the Western part of the world. Yeah. So um, we often hear up that that someone has been executed and that's it. We sort of don't get details, we don't get names. But we're actually seeing now that she's even going to get the the possibility of an appeal against her death sentence. So um, it's it's not unprecedented, but to actually have this news filter out is is, is quite um, unprecedented because they've always been so uh, closed down, like um, other court systems like Russia. So um, I, it's interesting to watch this, and we have sort of watch this from the the moment she was arrested and all of that so um it will be interesting to see if she does get an appeal and if we actually get told about it she uh, offered compensation didn't she to the families as a way of getting a reduced sentence i think yeah, um, you know, I, I would call it a bribe personally, but um, <laughs> it is a, a possibility of, of um, compensation. So it is a way um, that often happens in the Indian court cases as well that they um, are either forced to pay or that is instead of a sentence. So, right. um, yeah, I, it's so fantastic to see um, these – um, it's not exciting because people have died, but it's interesting to see that we're actually getting enough information, not just a name – um, and that's it, which is what we've had for decades. All right. Moving on. And a serial killer in Russia has been jailed for life after a murder spree which saw him crush the skulls of six people in 17 days. The victims of 30-year-old Anatoly Sharonov had been hit up to 50 times in the head with a sledgehammer and their bodies were found in cemeteries or wasteland. The victims were all male and mainly homeless. The murder spree by Sharonov is thought to be a copycat of the notorious chessboard serial killer Alexander Pishkinin, who murdered 49 people. Amanda, what do we know about this guy? Well, we know that he's actually a spree killer instead of a serial killer because all of these victims were killed in such a short period of time of only a couple of days. So um, he is trying to emulate the chessboard killer because he went out and, and struck homeless people. He was um, hitting them, as you said, up to 50 times in the head where the sledgehammer, which is quite horrific. Um, anyone that knows about the dog, Dobronovic maniacs knows what that can actually look like because that video that's out there of some other Russian serial killers shows pretty graphically what they can do. So um, he, he was up to six people, but he wanted to rival um, the chessboard killer by getting... Who we're seeing on the screen but, now. Um, yeah, so um, it's interesting. He was called the chessboard killer because he wanted to kill a person for every single... Um, square on on a chessboard but he was caught at 49 so he's quite frustrated that he didn't at least even get to 50 um but it's amazing that a lot of people say you know oh russia claims they don't have serial killers we're seeing them more and more and mm. now we have this massive uh spree killer it's, it's just i mean he's almost a mass killer because of of how close they were together but because it was over two weeks there was breaks and like the chessboard killer he was also dumping his victims in in, in graveyards and cemeteries whereas um alexander was would dumping him his victims in uh, parks so they have this sort of morbid excitement and thrill that they get by posing these victims and leaving them for the public to find so it's very hard to hide a killer that does this when it's like right. there for everyone to see gotcha okay well let's move on because he's the little boy in the spider-man costume who made headlines around the world when he went missing in 2014 now on the seventh anniversary police say the investigation into william tyrrell is ongoing and new leads are being followed this story from nine news australia 
Searching for answers close to home. Police returned to the Kendall property where William Tyrrell vanished seven years ago. The investigative team is here together with the local detectives and also with the forensic personnel to have another look at the scene here and also the area around Kendall. Detectives inspecting the porch, balcony and backyard of the Benaroom Drive house, pulling out maps as they search nearby streets in the semi-rural town near Port Macquarie. It comes as details of the police investigation surfaced in the media last week. For many months, detectives had been looking at the potential involvement of a person previously ruled out. Further information has come forward during our review of this matter. On September 12, 2014, William had been playing with his sister in his grandmother's backyard. His foster mum says she called out his name but got no answer. And I said to mum, he's not there, he's, he's gone. And she said, what do you mean he's gone? And I couldn't see him. And I couldn't hear him. During the past seven years, police have put pressure on several suspects who have since been ruled out. And despite the time since William's disappearance, detectives remain confident they'll solve the case. Meanwhile, the foster parents of William Tyrrell have hit out at an assertion by police that they are closing in on a new suspect in his disappearance, labelling the claim fake news. According to the Daily Telegraph, the couple who cannot be identified released a statement saying, once again, we are forced to watch others objectify William for personal gain. To publish unverified claims without consideration to the hurt that articles of this nature cause is disrespectful and devastating to anyone who knows and loves loves William. It comes as the inquest into William's disappearance and presumed death has been halted due to police identifying a new suspect. Amanda, this all seems very messy. Part of it to me seems like um, police pontificating on the seventh anniversary, saying we're still out there doing something. They're saying they've got new leads. The family are saying you're putting us through hell again. It's very, very messy to me. It is, and it's exactly what you're saying. This is an anniversary, so they do like to um, put the focus back on, on the case. They do this around many of the cold case anniversaries just to see what can come up because sometimes, you know, someone can say, oh, well, we're looking at a new suspect or, like they said, they're a suspect that we had ruled out. And so people sometimes are then prompted to think, well, I actually spoke about a different guy and you haven't actually said anything about this suspect. I think it might be. And so uh, it can sometimes encourage people to come forward. We know there is a $1 million reward for information that leads to a conviction in this case, but really it's just an anniversary piece. I think it's nothing more. They can say, oh, we have a new suspect. It's really just um, part of a um, an awareness program more than anything else until we're verified. And uh, the fact that they claim that they have halted the inquest because of this, it just... It, it raises some questions that there is just an absolute mess behind the scenes. On this yeah, but if they are um, pausing the inquest, that would have to suggest that they really do have new information, wouldn't it? Well, you would say that, except that most cases have, have been paused because of COVID restrictions and things like that. So the fact that mm. the case is paused doesn't really mean that they have a new suspect. And even if they do, they're not going to come out and say, you know, we're, we're looking at, at, at Joe Smith for this now. Please, I'm using that as a John Doe name, not as a, yeah, yeah. a person of interest. Gotcha. But, you, you know, it's just that they, they 
yeah, they, they just do this. And as you said, it's a mess. This has been a mess from day one. We know that police have been fired over this. We know that people have come out and spoken about other people. We know that there is a previous history of abductions with William. There's all of this messy stuff that's happening that, um, you know, I do hope that we get an answer, but I don't see it coming soon. But who knows, this new mm. suspect might be the one and they're going to dot their eyes across their T's and, and we get there. Well, let's hope so. It would be nice to get some closure on this case. Uh, don't forget, you can subscribe to Patreon to get brand new episodes of Monsters Who Murder a week before everybody else. For just $5, you get the full back catalogue and you get early access. $10 gets you all that access, plus a special Facebook group with Amanda and bonus material. $20 will get you a monthly video call with Amanda and other fans of the podcast. $20 $25 will get you access to the video cast, plus all those benefits, as I've previously mentioned. And $50 will get you a one-on-one chat each month with Amanda. We love our fans and we are grateful for the support people have shown us through patreon.com slash mwmconfessions. But if you just want the video cast, well, that comes out a week early too. And you can get that by going to mwm.uscreen.io. You can buy individual episodes for $5 or you can take out a monthly subscription for just $15 where you get access to everything. All right, in a moment, we're going to look at the I-10 shootings and the interrogation of the main suspect. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Police found 27 corpses. Australia's worst serial killer. Even though I didn't want to get in the car, I had to. With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. We now continue with part two of our look into the I-10 freeway shootings, which took place between August 29 and September 16, 2015. Phoenix, Arizona was a state in fear after several cars were struck by bullets. Investigators believe they had found the man behind the shootings, 21-year-old Leslie Merritt. He was arrested and the following day, police announced that Merritt's gun had been matched to four of the 11 shootings. They charged him with 15 criminal charges linked to the shootings. Amanda, what we saw in our last episode was a man who was being grilled by police, but he was certainly acting like a man who believes he isn't guilty of anything. Yeah, he was uh, really questioning what they they were saying to him and, you know, they were talking about, but, you know, you weren't at work on these days and, and you know, we have your gun and we know when you did have it and when you didn't have it. But he seemed to have an answer for everything they mm. asked. But at the same time, he wasn't asking why he had been arrested. So he either knew and didn't want to say or he had no clue. So um, it's, it's one of these cases that just it has so many twists and turns and um, it's, it's just amazing to see this officer just sort of go with all of this information at him and and revealing his cards, I think, a little too early. Yeah, indeed. Well, we left at the midway point of the interrogation, but as we pick up, everything changes. So this guy, Chavez, has you ever gone and taken your car out? Fuck yeah, I need a job site. Go ahead, man. You got a little bathroom, take my car. Okay. So, like, has he ever gone? I fucking guns under my seat. God damn it. (sighs) There you go. 
I'm gonna take my I take my gun with me everywhere with my gun, you know. Obviously I'm not gonna walk around the job site with my gun. That could be a possibility. But yes, he has taken my car, you know, like, yeah, go ahead and go to the bathroom, whatever. But when he, you can ask Damien, go ahead, because I already know you probably in contact with him. Whenever he did go to the restroom, 30, 45 minutes, the restroom's a quarter mile down the road. Okay. Um, let me just. That's just the so only possibility so I got, man. That actually sounds convincing, Amanda. Does and you know he's he's been asked. Well, did you always have your gun with you? And mm. he had said previously that yeah he had. And now suddenly saying you know if if someone needed to go off the build site to go to have the toilet at at the local gas station, what well, he offered his car and he's going well there you go. There is a person that was was in um accessible access accessible access what was in access of of my gun. You know so instantly you think well okay. This could be anyone because he lent his car out, especially to uh, Chavez, one of his his build site mates. Mm. Well, Beraldi continues on this line of questioning, asking about rounds. When you get home, do you you secure it? Do you sit there? Do you take the magazine out? Clear it out, take the magazine. If there's one in there, I'll rack it out, put my gun lock on. Okay. At any point when you've done that, after um, this individual that you work with has been in your car to go use the restroom, did you notice anything where rounds were missing or anything? You know what? There was a couple, I don't know, a couple in the cup holder, and I was like, what are those doing there? Oh, maybe they fell out of your gun. And now I was like, no, dude, they don't fall out. Do you keep extra ammunition in your car at all? No, not only the, that 250, actually 256 rounds, because I was going to go to the range. They were stolen. The whole, I had a backpack, black Jansport, 250 rounds, my high point box, earmuffs, and a cleaning kit. Would you, do you feel like you would have known if your gun was fired when these guys had your car? You know, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm not one to sit there and check in, take it apart and everything. So I, no, I wouldn't have. So, but you, you feel pretty confident that you would have known if you're missing a round out of your magazine? No, I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't, when I take it apart, I don't count the rounds, I just take them out. I leave them on top of my dresser. So you take them out, you take your rounds just, out of your magazine. Mm-hmm. Okay, and how many rounds does your magazine? Eight, but I mean, I'm not sitting there counting them. I just pop them out, put them in, pop them in every. So when you're back loading them again? Mm-hmm. I don't count them, I just put it in. Because okay. I don't have, I don't put them back into the bucket with more rounds. Whatever I have, just put it right here. And when I get ready to go out, I put them back in. Okay. Do, you, do yours have the little indicators on the side of the magazines that indicate? It's got like two view rounds. windows. Two view windows. Okay. Thing that you noticed that was out of the ordinary about those view windows. No, man. I, I'm, I don't, what do you call it, forensically scan my gun every time I use it, man. Okay. I guess. That's interesting because it actually sounds plausible to me, you know. If, if you had those bullets, you're not counting every round. You're not, you know, like you're not thinking anyone's using your gun. Exactly. And and that's this is probably the most innocent sounding conversation so far. And um but Baroli sort of says to him, you know, but surely you would know and you know, you agree that you would know. And he's saying, No, you know, I have no idea. I, I take them out, chuck them in, into the bucket with the rest, when I refill it, I put them back in. I don't know if there's twenty, thirty, fifty. He just sort of ejects them and, and then reloads them. So it's just interesting that Baraldi is trying to make him be positive and and Leslie's going, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I have no idea. that he, he could have shot half of the the 
thing that goes in, into the gun. I have no mm. idea about guns. Um, you know, but instead he's, he's just like, yeah, no, no idea. Could, could be mm. anything. Yeah, which is sort of fair enough. Well, look, the two officers decide to leave Merritt alone and head out of the interview room, with Baraldi reminding Merritt that he agreed to a polygraph. They then return 15 minutes later, and Baraldi is now in a very different headspace, and the tone has changed. Okay, Leslie, um, I went back and reviewed some things. Um, earlier I was asking some questions, and I was saying some different things because I wanted to get a feel of... Mm-hmm when you were being truthful and when you weren't being truthful because obviously I know a lot of things that you don't know. And I saw, I only heard one honest thing out of you. And uh, that's just based on my knowledge of the case. And when I hit you with, when I hit you with that you were shooting out of your car, that was the only time that you were truthful with me. Only time that you've been truthful with me in this whole entire interview. I'm telling you, that's the only time that you've been honest with me because I went back and I knew that you weren't being honest with me. And then when I hit you with the one thing, just to see, just to see if you were going to be honest or not honest, that's the first time that you were honest with me when you said, yeah, nope, I wasn't shooting in my car. No, it's not. I know you weren't. That's the only time you've been honest with me in this interview. The rest of the time you have it, ask yourself. Yes, sir. Based on what we have evidence-wise, what do you think a jury's going to think? Okay, I'm trying to get my head around this. Is this guy playing with semantics? Is he trying to say that, yeah, you didn't shoot from the car or in the car, you were out? He's trying to get him on a technicality that he shot outside the car. And it's a hell of a thing. I've got to tell you how pissed off I would be if I had someone there saying, you have not been truthful with me whatsoever. Hang on, that is not your decision. Your decision is to interview me, although I'd have a lawyer. Your uh, job is to interview me, get information, and then present it to a court of law. To be honest, I don't care, officer, whether you believe me or not. If, if this guy, let's presume Merritt is innocent. He's saying, I'm telling you the truth. I'm giving you the story. And this guy is proclaiming without a sh- shred. What's he saying? I am the Lion King. You know, not Lion King, the Lion King, right? I know when people are lying. Give me a break. Like, Jesus, this. What did you want to say about that part? I'm. Yeah. It's really angered me. <laughs> It is just crazy because like we saw when we did um, Ryan's case a couple of weeks ago, this officer has come in with his own story and that's what he just said. He says, I know you're lying to me because I know the facts of the case. Because it doesn't fit what I've already decided uh, is the outcome. Absolutely, 100%. That's exactly what's going on here. So he's now trying to shape and say, well, if you're not the shooter, it might have been your car and your gun. Maybe there's a second person involved, you know, so you tell us what you think might have happened and give us the bigger fish because we believe that you're innocent in not being the shooter but it's your gun and your car. So so as we heard, Baraldi wants to know what Merritt thinks a jury would say and gives a very different scenario. And this gun but has been scientifically proven to have been I'm just telling you, if you were sitting on the jury, what would you think? Obviously, like I said, the lot people would say it was me, but I have not done it. And you would be the only one that wouldn't think it was you? So are you saying that you would be the only one out of this 12 jury pool? I don't know. You would be the only one that would be sitting there saying... I'm sure there would be a couple of people with, you know, maybe he didn't do this. With all the evidence. I understand, sir, but... 
I'm telling you, I did not do this, man. I have no reason to lie, man. I don't want to fucking go to jail. I got a family to take care of, man. And, and that's 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 a, that's another that's interesting you bring that up because that's going to be my next point. Um, if if you're saying that you weren't doing the shootings, yes, sir. I spoke with your wife earlier, and she said that she was with you on the 29th mm -hmm. all day. Mm -hmm. She said she was with you all day the 30th. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? That's the weekend, man. We're together all weekend. Well, I'm just asking you. Not, not. Yeah, I happens. think, I believe, yes, sir. Is, not the, is that the case? I'm with my wife every weekend. Okay. Any day I'm not at work, I'm with so, my wife and kids. So if that's the case, and these are dates that these shootings occurred, and you're telling me that you didn't do the shooting, so are you, so are you telling me? So, all right, then, well, then look at where I'm coming with this. So somebody had to do it. It wasn't my wife. It wasn't me, man. Wow. That is a low blow. It's absolutely disgusting. So he is in a lose-lose situation now. You're guilty, you're the shooter, your car, your gun, or we're going to now arrest your wife mm. who, who has your young children at home right now um, because if it's not you, it's got to be her. And so this is their attempt now to make him fall on his sword and, and take it so then, you know, his his wife is free with, with the kids. It is absolutely a disgusting low blow. Well, they then take the case into conspiracy world. No, 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 no. There is, there is, there is no running no story, okay? Because it makes sense to me. Because because I'm, listening, I'm listening to you and I'm listening to Damon. Is this another one of your conspiracy type stuff here? Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you what they told me. I own up to my shit. Well, obviously you're not owning it up to it. You can ask my boss. I fucked up uh, somebody's concrete with a bobcat. You know what? We already know. We already know all about that. And that was that was another one of the things that we were told. That you're trying to sit there and say somebody else did. That's a crock of shit. Well, I'm not telling you a crock of shit. I'm telling you, I'm telling you the facts. I'm telling you what I was told. And what I was told, I knew all about that. Okay. Doing the donuts and then losing the load. I, 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 I never lost. Yeah, it was. What they told us, what they told us, it was, it was like some bricks that were on board. There were some donuts, and then the bricks went all over the place. And that donuts and a bobcat, leaving tire marks everywhere. I never lost a load because I don't. The only time I used to lost doing tire marks and a bobcat. Yeah, I did that. Fuck yeah, I did that. And then you blame somebody else on it. No. Okay. Why would your own wife even go and tell us, yeah, I think he did it? Why would she <laughs> even tell us that? that? No, I'm telling you, she said that. Bullshit. I'm just telling you. He's telling you. He's being honest with you. I'm being honest with you, man. She said that you At are the end of the conversation, she said you are capable of going and doing something like this. She bit that. Okay, a couple of things. Um... Did the wife say that? Probably not. We have no record of her interview. So, again, I think it's just about pulling rabbits out of a hat to see what he's going to say to this because he didn't, like, he, he out and out said, no, she didn't. Like, not that, no, I'm not the shooter. He said that she didn't say that. So that's an interesting response to that question. Sure, but there's a power play going on here. Barati is trying to show him we know everything. We know about the donuts in a bobcat. And, and while it looks as though they're losing focus, this is a complete power play to say we have control. Even your wife thinks you're capable of this. The one person who you would expect to have your back she thinks, yeah, maybe. So they're trying to isolate him. They're trying to say we have 
everything on you and you don't even have the support of your wife. They're really backing him into a corner. They absolutely are. They they want to they want to get a rise out of him because they're now saying that he's doing these shootings because he gets pissed off and goes goes and shoots up cars. So they're now trying to um, poke the bear. They're trying to get him to snap. So they're going to keep pushing and pushing. While he's he's trying to talk, they're just talking over him and say, "Yeah, don't don't tell us about the donuts, Kurt, because we, we know about you doing donuts." I don't know if the US knows that terms, but it's doing like. Circles, circles, and, and fast circles, cars. basically, it, you know, yeah. usually in a car creating skid yeah. marks. <laughs> yeah, Robbie used to do it a lot when we were teenagers. Used to I did not. Um, <laughs> that's a whole other that, That's, <laughs> no, that's a complete lie. Car, we're not going. <laughs> oh, we took some corners pretty hard. <laughs> sure, but I didn't do. I didn't do bloody donuts. Jesus. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, um back but back because we have lost focus too with this. Um he he so has all this information on <laughs> on merit. So he's saying to Merit, you know, we know about this. Well, we know about that. We we know that you're a conspiracy nuts and now they're discrediting even his words. So it's just about poking the bear that they're trying to get him to confess and nothing is working. So it's just about let's try each each type of interrogation that we know to see which one is going to be the one that's going to break him for him to go, this is what happened. Mm. Well, eventually they bring it back on topic. Uh, I mean, all I can tell you is I've tried to give you every opportunity to explain why. Like sir, I, said, I'm you know, I can't explain. I know, I know what. I, I'm sorry, Leslie. I can't I understand, sir. get but beyond I'm... that. I, I know what happened. I just don't know why. And we're trying. We've tried every which way. Are you trying to, to cause fear to the public with all these theories oh, you have going on in your head? Are you trying to cause fear to the public? I got no reason to do that, man. I don't know, maybe he's doing that out of spite. You know, he seemed to have a fascination about going to jail, about about, stuff, know, about, about stuff about stuff going about certain people going and being in prison. You always asking Damon about his time in prison. Your dad was in prison. Was your dad in prison? Yeah. That doesn't mean I want to go to prison. Okay, but you have a uh according to him, like you have a good little fascination about it. Like you're constantly I like to know what it's like in there, yeah, because you know what? I have people that say, you know what, prison changes you. I say, Well, how is that? What happened to you in prison that you changed? <laughs> They didn't stay focused for long. <laughs> no, they didn't. This is an absolute shit show. So um, now they're talking about that his dad went to jail and so he has a fascination about what happens to people in jail. Um, it's 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 just so perplexing where they're going and this is coming from the second officer as well now and they're you know they're basically trying to say this is what we know about you so it proves that we know you so we know that you're the killer more than you do mm. so it's it as you said this is a power play and they're just throwing every sort of technique at him because it's mm. just not working yeah and look Baraldi tries another scare tactic in this next clip have a look I'm not just going to flip my shit and, oh, fuck everything. No. No. I have no reason to do that. It's not worth it, man. I got two kids and a life to worry about. It is not worth going to jail. Well, you know, like I said, you're going to jail. Mm-hmm. That's that. There's no ifs or buts about it, and that's what I keep trying to tell you. I have enough evidence to sit there and move forward on this. I understand, sir, but so, I don't know what to tell you, man. I fucking have never fired my gun on the I-10 on any freebird for that matter in the city no (laughs) 
interesting tactic. Uh, I've got to say, if I was mayor, I would say, well, then I think we're done. There's nothing to talk about, surely. Yeah, exactly, because he's now saying, well, you're going to take me to jail, you're not going to take my word for it, you were just standing here telling me things and I'm telling you things, and, yeah, it's literally it's not going anywhere. And they thought this final scare of saying, well, yeah, you are going to jail, learn about it all firsthand, um, didn't, it didn't face him. They thought he may have gone off then as, you know, no, I'm not going to jail, you know, how do you maybe call a lawyer at this point. But, um, yeah, no, that didn't work either. It's just no. the same shit show. Well, Merritt continues to plead his case as allegations continue to mount against him and his wife being a team in the shootings. Who wants to fucking go to jail when they got a family home? Well, here's the thing. I don't know that anybody really intentionally wants to go to jail. Okay, like I said, I didn't, just like what I told you. People I wasn't angry. Things. I didn't do nothing out of spite. I didn't try to scare nobody. I didn't try to scare the public. I, I'm not that person. I didn't do this shit. I didn't do this. I'm not telling you guys anything. I did not do this. Merritt's responses are pretty weak, actually. He's just saying, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Uh, what more could he be doing here? <laughs> There's not much more he, he he can do because we're seeing that the evidence is mounting and him saying it wasn't me, I didn't do it, isn't enough, you know, and the fact that they try to threaten him with his wife and he goes, yeah, she didn't do it. You know, we are not in, in this. I wasn't angry. I wasn't, you know, pissed off. I, I didn't just go out and do this because I needed to shoot someone because I felt bad. Um, you know, so they've, they've tried looking at motive. They've tried looking at spree killings, that this was a, a fun thing to do. Um, he's brought in the evidence that maybe his his mate that sometimes drove his truck had, had done it, you know, but they've, they've got this mounting evidence that keeps going. And literally we have a smoking gun and that's their case against him. And he's going, yeah, but it wasn't me. So, but it's very frustrating that you can't sometimes prove this, but everything that they've brought to the table, he hasn't been able to prove otherwise. Although, as we'll see in this next clip, he's trying to bring in small pieces of evidence that he thinks proves he can't be responsible. And we've got to remember here that this guy didn't know he was going to be brought in for questioning. If he's innocent, right, let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt. So he is literally, while the police have had all this time to gather evidence, he's now having to think on the run because he hasn't thought to bring in a lawyer, but he's trying to think on the run of, as I said, let's assume that he's innocent for the moment. I'm being accused of this. They think they've got evidence, but I didn't do it. How, what, what do I say? Let's see how he tries to get the skerrits of evidence he feels that will help him. My wife didn't. I know she didn't. She's afraid of guns. I didn't. In fact, she can't even drive on the freeway. She ain't got a license. She just drives occasionally because I'm trying to teach her so she can get a license. Because come tax season, I want to get a truck so she can have a car to take my kids to appointments while I'm at work. The way they react there, I get the feeling they they don't care what he says. He could literally have video evidence of someone else doing it, and I just don't think they're going to care. No, because they've made their decision, and that's what they've said over and over again. We know you did it. So there's no use us sitting here and having this toing and froing because we have the evidence. We have your gun. We have the ballistics. We have everyone saying that you're a hothead, that you like to blame other people for things that you've done, mm. that you do go off, you know, 
half ass sometimes and, and get the shits and throw things around and do donuts in, in forklifts and all, all of that. So it's it's basically they just want him to confess and so then they can dot their I's and cross their T's and, and, and just complete it for the day, get the, um, get the courts in here to... Um, and it's a high-pressure case. It's a very yeah, public yeah, case. It's a huge shock. Yeah. I mean, there, there's no deaths, but they know it's only a matter of time because now someone's been injured. Mm. So it wasn't just sort of potluck cases now. It's now it's escalating, and so they need to get the guy and they need to get him quick, and that's why they had the ballistic evidence. And those people who are watching the video version would have noticed Beraldi was just sitting there silent when Merritt finished talking there. He doesn't actually have much to say, so the other officer has to jump in. Do you know any of the cars? Do you ever go and borrow another car at all? You gotta have a car to borrow? No. Fuck no, I have time to fuck off ask for his car. Okay, we brought like somebody else. My grandma got the truck, she wanna know you drive it. I own several cars, I own a girl has a truck. Yeah, she has a S10, black S10. Is it black S10? Is it actually, is it a... It's her name, she's still paying for it. It's bringing it off the ground and the truck's not. It's a little baby truck, just an old truck. Okay. But I can tell you, I own a Grand Marquis, uh, Oldsmobile, what else? Chevy Malibu, Saturn Ion, and this Saturn I have now. Have you ever borrowed any of your wife's relatives' cars for anything? Maybe your car's not working? Maybe something's going on with it? No. I've only taken my father-in-law's Tahoe from him back to my mother-in-law's house. Which is to where? From where to where? From 75th and Indian School to 47th Avenue Nicolette. Surely asking a question about using other cars should have been asked a little earlier than this. <laughs> it is because now it's showing that maybe they don't have all the answers because he's mm. saying, yeah, I drove I, I drove my father-in-law's car, you know, I have access to this car and this car and this car. You know, if you're watching my car, hang on a second, how about the other ones that I'm, I may use or may not use or, you know, Chavez is, is, is driving my truck at, at build sites and, and disappearing for an hour at a time. You know, it's just interesting that he's trying to give this evidence to say, you know, it's not me because I may not have had my truck that day because his wife needed to borrow it and stuff like that, which sort of occurred somewhere in this somewhere, you know, but they're like, oh, okay, so you don't just have one car. And he's like, no, I've had this car and this car and this time. And, you know, I drove this one from here to there. And it like, Baraldi's scratching his chin. He's he's done. He was after his hero moment. It hasn't come. Mm. And so now he's like, well, now we've actually got to do some real police work. <laughs> well, watch this next bit because Merritt is looking from one officer to the other as he offers more evidence for them. If you want another route, take 75th up the window, go to Merrill, take Merrill all the way to his house. Oh, I, you know, I, I just, I don't have the answers for you, Leslie. You know? <laughs> Believe me, man, if I knew anybody that made them, I would tell you, man, I don't want to fucking, I got family to worry about, man. My wife don't work, my son, she can't work to my son, she got some issues. Mm-hmm. Who's gonna pay the bills? Me. I'm not gonna jeopardize my family because I don't want to fucking go scare the public. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are dumbfounded. You know, they, they started off with, I know your line. You know, uh, we got the evidence. I got my package of evidence here, boy. You know, and now uh, Merritt's saying, I didn't do it. He's actually starting to 
focus and give evidence. And they're like, I don't know what to tell you. That you can see that body language in Baralti especially has he's retreating into the chair. He doesn't have the answers here. He's he's dumbfounded, he's confused, he still believes to me. He still believes, and you're the expert. I'll let you talk in a moment. (laughs) But to me, this is the part I love. To me, he looks like a man who still has this firm idea. He's wobbling a little bit, and he just knows, as you said, he's going to have to go and get the answers to what Merritt's saying here, and it's not as clear-cut as he thought it would be. Yeah, he basically ran out of questions an hour ago. So, I mean, he's just sort of going over it again. And like you said, you know, I've got the evidence. Here it is kind of thing. You know, this is what he's doing. He's he's trying to say, you know, we've got you. You may as well, you know, you may as well go ahead and say that we have found you guilty and that, you know, you you know, put the handcuffs on me and all of this. This is what Baraldi was wanting. This is his big high-profile case of his career. And it's not going the way he wanted it. He thought this guy was going to crumble in the first three Mm -hmm. seconds and go, yep, yep, sorry, it it was me. But he's not. Merritt is still going against this and saying, yeah, you know, I've got got a wife and kids. And that is not an answer to it because most people who, who go to prison have a wife and kids, you know. But it's just amazing that he is just not biting. And Baraldi's going, okay, well, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> and Baraldi's big playback to all this as he's losing the interrogation is to say, we've got the evidence. Let's have a look. Well, I can only tell you what the evidence is saying. I know, man, but I don't know to tell you. I, I never, as you said, the only truth is I have not fired my gun on freeway, which I have not done. I've never done that. No one's borrowed my car except for Alito to go to the bathroom I've never borrowed anybody else's car. My wife can't drive on the freeway. She don't like guns. I don't even want to tell you, man. <laughs> We've seen suspects shut down during interrogations. They actually just stop talking. They scrunch up into a ball. They look away or they've gone on autopilot. This is the first time in all the police interrogations we've done that I've seen a detective do that. These two officers have basically stopped asking questions. Yeah, it's amazing. And this is not like this is a 12-hour um in interview that, that we've edited down. This is literally only one hour into a one hour, 20 minute um, interrogation. And he's like, basically he, he wants them to ask questions so he can provide his evidence, but they're done. You know, there's no, yeah, you got me. It's just not happening. And so they're like sitting there dumbfounded because it didn't go easy like it would in TV shows. Yeah. Basically. Look, I've got to say, I believe this guy. 100% believe him. And, look, this is going so badly that when Merritt refers to their evidence, they get confused. Uh, you know, I don't know who lift the truck. I, fuck, I don't know who lift the truck. Okay, what, was, what does a lift the truck have to do with anything? He mentioned the lift the truck. He said, well, I said my girl's truck. It's not lifted or anything big off the Oh, he's just trying to get an idea of what the truck looks like. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not telling you, man. <laughs> Those officers have run out of steam and they're trying to cover. Oh, he's just asking that because, you know, we're asking some questions, basically. <laughs> 
literally they're asking him what his truck looks like because they don't know what it looks like. That's literally <laughs> what just happened. They're like, you know, oh, is it blue or is it grey? Or you know, and they're like, oh, and and it has a boot on it. You know, like they are totally dumbfounded and really they just want to leave this room. It's not happening and they're now embarrassed because it hasn't gone the way they wanted it to and I was I was cracking up by this point watching oh, it. I certainly am. And then Merritt brings up Chavez again as a possible alternate suspect. I mean, like I said, the only time it could have been is I would literally take my car and run on the fruit. That's all I can tell you. I would not do this, dude. It's not me. And why would he do that? The fuck if I know. I mean, you know this person better than I do. Tell me about this guy. He got the stressful life. He got six kids and fucking cheating life. He got stressful. I ain't got stressful life. Oh, has he ever mentioned anything to you that he was out there using your gun, shooting no. cars on the freeway? Okay, let me get this straight. Chavez was known to use Merritt's car. Merritt had said ammo had gone missing, but because Chavez didn't confess to Merritt that he was the I-10 shooter, then he can't be a viable suspect. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. So um, I cannot believe they're saying, you know, but he didn't tell you he was shooting with your gun. Like, we wait, we have this high-profile case going on in our state, and, you know, you say this guy uses your car, ammo disappeared, you know, your Winchesters or, or, or something did it a week before all this happened. But, you know, surely if he was using your car and shooting people, he, he would have told you. Like, mm. their logic has just gone out the window. They're, yeah. they're really just trying to uh, clutch at straws. Absolutely. And then when they've run out of questions, the other officer returns to the very first question about August 29. So in an hour and 10 minutes, they haven't had their first question answered and straight away <laughs> Merritt destroys their theory in one fell swoop. But, I mean, you have no reason to believe that he was using your gun to shoot cars on the freeway, do you? No, but, I mean, that's I'm just giving you answers I got, man, they're in my head. Mm-hmm. I have never fired my gun on any interstate, freeway, or highway, ever. Okay, so we'll go back to August 29th. Mm-hmm. What were you doing on, on that day? Do you know what? I did pawn my gun on August 29th. Because we were at home, my daughter's crying, and said, what's wrong? Oh, she don't have no formula. Let's go pawn the gun and get the formula. I bought formula and some sandwich shit so I could eat at work. Put, like, 15 bucks in my gas. <laughs> That's got nothing. And we talked about this. Feraldi was all excited. Now he's sitting there absolutely clueless. <laughs> was that this gun was in his possession when this was happening on August 29th and um, now Merritt's come forward and go, hang on, I didn't actually have my gun, I pawned it, so your research is shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, it's just, it's just, this was not where I thought this case was going to go. It was no. so fantastic. No, but look, both officers <laughs> are now totally lost. They decided to leave the room. They come back 13 minutes later with only one more question and Merritt gets them on that too. Sure. Just uh, kind of like a final question here for you. It's really not a question of, of the gun that was used or the rounds that was used. We know it was your gun. Mm-hmm. What the question comes down to is this. Was your finger on the trigger 
and then if so, or, and then if not, whose finger was on the trigger? Because we're going to get a physical characteristics order, we're going to swap you. We're going to get DNA on the gun, we're going to get DNA on the cars, okay? So that's the question I have for you. My DNA is on the gun because it is my gun. <laughs> <laughs> Shock horror. His DNA is going to be on his own <laughs> gun. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't even think of that. That's how amazing these two officers are. So it's just, um, just, I was wetting myself by this point watching this. It's like, oh, duh. <laughs> these officers, right, that's it. DNA is going to do the final part of this. We've got ballistics. Now we're going to have the DNA. Yes, my gun, mate. You're going to find my DNA on my, my personal property. <laughs> um, that's like saying... Uh, we're going to check your underwear to see if there's D- if your DNA is on your own underwear. I mean, geez. Um, I've got to say, this other officer's been quiet. And, and when someone's quiet, you might think they're stupid. And it's better to not open your mouth rather than speak and confirm my suspicions. We have Tweedledum and Tweedle even dumber here. Like, seriously. We really do have the cont- another pair of contenders for the Colhep Detective Award for stupidity. So, yeah. look, let's see what happens when Baraldi concludes the interview. I have not shot on any freeways. No one in my car or my family, my wife, nobody has shot my gun on the freeway. I don't know what to tell you guys, man. I'm talking to you, me and my wife did not do this. I'm not. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you guys. Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Leslie. I don't think your wife did it either. Um, and, I, and I feel pretty confident. And um, I think that was a question that only you can answer. You know, um, we know that your gun was involved. I understand. And the shooting's on the freeway. But I'm telling you, I did not. And as Detective Falcon said, either your finger was on the trigger or you know whose finger was on the trigger and you witnessed it. And if you're gonna sit here and tell me I don't know, then there's nothing else that I have because I've given you every every opportunity. The only person that has ever held my gun besides me and my wife is Abelito Chavez. That's the God honest truth. And that's on the way to work or on the way home. He's like, oh, we're going to chase your gun. I'm like, yeah, don't be fucking fucking with it, though. Well, here's the problem, though. You don't work weekends, right? No. You didn't work the weekend of the 29th of August, right? And you didn't work uh, Sunday, August 30th, did you? Okay. Well, those are the days that we're looking at. Two of the days that we're looking at. Can you just tell me this? Is Labor Day this year, was it July 1st? It's July. It was the seventh, seventh of September. Never mind. All I can tell you, sir, is I did not do this. I cannot tell you because I really, honestly, do not know. I don't know how to explain this any other way. I have no reason to lie to you guys. I have no reason to lie to you. I don't know what to tell you guys, man. I honestly don't. Well, all I can tell you, Leslie, is I'm, I'm, I know you're trying to help me out, man. I'm, I'm just, I've just tried to give you every opportunity. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and conclude the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have you just sit here for a minute so that we can get one of the detention staff. We're going to place you into a holding cell. We're going to get the booking paperwork done. Um, 
and then you'll be transported down to Maricopa County Jail. Will I get a call at any point in this? Uh, once you get down to the jail, that'll be something you'll work out with the jail staff. At any time while you're there, if you... I'm telling you, man. If you decide to be honest with me at any time while I'm doing the, the booking paperwork, if you decide that you want to be honest about this situation, all you got to do is yell out and we'll talk. Um, other than that, if not, then there's really nothing else that I can say. So they got nothing out of him. He found holes in their theory and they're still sending him to county. Yep, so they think that maybe, you know, a couple of hours in, in the tank might sort of do something to him, might shake him up, seeing he such, has such an interest about going to jail and how it changes you. They think that the reality of going into county is going to be enough to sort of shake him and any time he wants to ring Baraldi and tell him what happened, he's happy to take that call. It all seems predicated on trying to scare him into a confession, not based on actual evidence. Well, they've got their evidence. They've got their, their ballistics. That's all they've got. And now they're going to get his DNA and that's going to prove mm. that his gun was his. Yeah, look, and and all of, all of that is funny, but there's a man who I'm actually out of this believing who's innocent and maybe I'm about to find out that he wasn't. But I just think this is appalling that the way he's being treated. Let, let's see how they actually end the interview. I have not done this, and I can't tell you guys because I don't know. That's the thing, man. No one takes my car. Well, I, I, like I said, I can, like I said, just based on what you've told me and based on the evidence that we have, you know. So how do I get back out of the jail? I see a judge, and oh, here's fifty thousand dollars. You got to pay to get uh, out. You know, that'll be that'll be between, uh, and that'll be a decision that the judge will make. Um, at your initial appearance, and then that will be worked out there. I can't tell you, know you, what, can't tell you what the outcome will be. Do you know what I'll get an initial appearance by chance? Uh, you know what? They, they do initial appearances 24 hours a day, so it's hard to say when that'll occur. Uh, like I said, I, I I don't know the specifics of You know, sir, I, you know, I appreciate you guys not being like movie cops being assholes, because all I can tell you, man, is I, I don't know who did it, and me and my wife did not do this. That's, I can't tell you anything other than that. I wish I wish I knew who did it so I could say, hey, it was this guy, no doubt. I hear you, Leslie. Like I said, I, I don't believe I that's another uh, thing sure. that I agree with you. I don't believe your wife did either. Well, Leslie Merritt was taken from that interview directly to County, where he spent the next seven months before all of the charges were dropped. The ballistic evidence that Baraldi continued to claim put Merritt at the crime scenes was actually fake, and Baraldi claimed he had tried the ruse to make Merritt confess. He claims he had used it before and it worked, but this time it didn't. Further ballistic testing did not identify Merritt's gun as the one used in the shootings. When news broke about the case falling apart, this is how ABC News 15 in Arizona reported it. When dressed head to toe in black and white, Leslie Merritt Jr. denied any wrongdoing since the beginning. I'm the wrong guy. I tried to tell the detective Flash forward seven months, the county attorney's office calling for a second ballistics test to confirm if Merritt's gun was really connected to four of the shootings, like DPS said last September. And that evidence is at the heart of the case. That raises real questions about, about the prosecution. So I think that was a pivotal point. At that pivotal point, Merritt walked out of jail with no 
bond needed, only an ankle monitor. If you can use the state's evidence against them, that, that sometimes can be just absolutely devastating to, to a prosecution. And now the real questions begin. As legal experts say, it's too soon to point fingers at DPS, the county, or the state. They're going to sit down and they're going to say, were there mistakes made? Where did those mistakes happen? And how do we make sure they don't happen again? Because, I mean, again, this man sat in jail for several months. In November 2020, at a civil trial against the state for a false arrest and imprisonment, Merritt spoke of the trauma that the publicity of the case had had on his life, which even included the governor, Doug Ducey, tweeting, saying, we got him, just moments after his arrest. Baraldi also admitted that his evidence was false and he had hoped it was enough to scare Merritt into confessing. Merritt was paid $100,000 in an earlier settlement with the Maricopa County. Merritt was declared innocent of any wrongdoing and the case remains unsolved. But Merritt says he still feels like he's in a mental cage. As a final wrap-up of the case, let's listen to some of what he told ABC News 15 in an exclusive interview. I may be out of jail, but it's still a mental, it's like a mental cage that I'm in. DPS still calls it an open investigation. The specter of prosecution remained. He was low-hanging fruit. He was a suspect of convenience. It was an opportunity for DPS and other government officials to calm the public. The head of DPS maintains Merritt is still the prime suspect. I believe that we have uh, enough evidence uh, to develop probable cause uh, to believe that he is the correct suspect. With all due respect to the colonel, that's not our system of law. Our system of law is you charge a person once you have probable cause, not the reverse. That was an acknowledgement that they didn't even have probable cause, that they were still working to develop probable cause. They had it backwards. This is video of Leslie Merritt's ankle monitor coming off. He described this moment as victorious. He also described his first night of freedom. I stayed on the couch and just when my, my son was just, he wouldn't let go of me. He didn't want to go away. I'm not going over, man. When he was arrested, his daughter was just five months old. She's seen right here on her mom's lap while Merritt's then fiance was being grilled by investigators. And I watched my daughter, I watched her grow up in nightmares, you know, of stuff I could miss, of stuff I might miss. He missed her first birthday during his seven months behind bars. She recognize you? No, because I had grown my beard and my hair. When I got out, she actually ran away from me. I couldn't touch her. She wouldn't pick her up. Broke my heart, made me mad. You know, it's, it's, my kids have shot, should not have to deal with this kind of stress. Not everyone buys his innocence. Public places, even going out to eat, can lead to awkward experiences. I was walking back to the table, and, and this woman, she's like, you know, I can't take the free one home because they let this guy out of jail. It's every day I deal with things like that. I've had people tell me I'm a terrorist. I've had people call me scum of the earth. Jeez, Amanda. So the evidence was fake, and he still spent seven months in jail. Yes, well, they tried to fit what they believe now instead of the opposite way. So all this evidence, we've got the evidence and, you know, you did this and we knew that you weren't at work and all of that. It was all a smokescreen hoping that that was enough. They thought it was this guy because his truck was seen on the freeway at the same time that these shootings were happening. But, you know, a lot of uh, people out there still believe that, that he is, is guilty like that officer said. Um, and people are saying he's, he's just too clever for his own good and knew how to work them around. But, um, it's still it's still an open investigation, so you know he could be arrested again. But I think that um, they're really going to have to try hard next time to try and make this fit.
because it certainly didn't this time and maybe get some different officers on the case. Pretty outrageous that uh, the head of the DPS or whatever the acronym was, sorry, was there saying, no, we still believe it's him. Well, it's I don't care if you believe it's him. You don't have the right to say that. You have to prove it in a court of law and he has to be guilty beyond reasonable doubt, not just because you guys think it might be him. This is outrageous and that anyone involved in that investigation should be sacked and kept off the force because we don't need publicity campaigns to make people feel better. We need actual justice. Absolutely outrageous. Uh, Another great case though, Amanda. Thank you very much for bringing it to us. No worries. This was a fun one to do. I mean, it's it's tragic and horrible, but I just loved seeing... um, two officers have no idea how to do an interrogation. Not only that, but then it was obvious during that to me that he probably was innocent and for them to follow through because this is a case of they just wanted, they had their theory and they just wanted to make it work. Absolutely outrageous behaviour. Yeah, when the governor is out there tweeting saying we got him, you know, this is very much like what Trump did with uh, the Central Park jogger case. He says let's hang them, you know, and and we can't have a trial by media. And this is exactly what was happening. He's still actually being told this as he's walking through a restaurant that, you know, Mm. I can't drive now because you're out of Mm. jail. You know, he's going to have that stigma for the rest of of his life. Regardless of guilt or innocent, he's now... um, the suspect in in everyone else's eyes, regardless of what the courts say. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that brings us to the end of Monsters Who Murdered. Don't forget, if you'd like to join Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash mwmconfessions or you can get direct access to our video feed by going to mwm.uscreen.io. I'm Rob McKnight. I've been joined by the serial killer whisperer, Amanda Howard. Thank you, Amanda. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.